other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, 30 and 60 fold and a hundred fold. Now, this may be the first time you're hearing this, or this may be the hundredth time you've heard this portion of scripture. And as I said earlier, we're going to look at process, not product. We're going to look at process, not product. In our culture, it's really easy to, to look at a scripture like this and begin to divide. I'm not the person who's hard. I'm not the person who's rocky. I'm not the person who is thorny. I'm, I'm the person who is uh, full of good soil. And so what I'm going to do throughout today's talk as we break this down, I'm going to give you four topics right off the bat, which have nothing to do with this scripture. They're just biblical topics. If you've been a follower of Jesus for very long, in all likelihood, you have heard a sermon, you've read a book, you've listened to a podcast, you've watched a YouTube video that has covered one or all of these particular topics. Now, as I'm going through them, I think it's fair to ask yourself before the Lord, am I fruitful when it comes to this topic? Am I producing 30, 60, or 100-fold when it comes to this topic? The first topic is simply the importance of daily reading your Bible and praying to the Lord. Some of you are going, well, duh. Others are going, really? Maybe a new message, new topic for you, maybe an old topic. How fruitful are you in the area of being in God's word daily, and talking with God daily. Another topic that just in Clarissa and I's interactions, not between each other, just with other people, has just seemed to come up a lot, and I kind of felt the Lord that this is, a, this is an important topic. And it's the topic of forgiving others. Scripture is pretty clear. Uh, if, you, if you don't forgive others, those who sinned against you, your heavenly father won't forgive you. And yet, there are people when it comes to this topic that live in a perpetual state of unforgiveness. Another topic is topic of money. Generosity. There should be no more generous people on the planet than followers of Jesus. And that even has to do with money. And you notice the amens didn't go quite as broad on that. But it's good that you're right. It's, no, no, this is really helpful. It's, it's good that you recognize it. And there's a reason for that. And it's what Jesus is talking about in the scripture. The last one is another one that just is probably not going to get a broad-based amens, even if it comes out of mouths. And, it's, and it's, the, it's the topic of accountability. Here's the question. Who is in your life that is spurring you on spiritually? It's not my job to do it for all of you. Okay, I speak to, the, to, the, to this community of believers, 
in a, any particular topic, but we all have to have people in our life who are discipling us and that we are discipling. That's an accountable relationship. Be transparent with you a little bit here. Not that I'm not always transparent, but, but on my birthday, I got just horrific news. And uh, I had a scheduled uh, time with the orthopedic surgeon. And uh, if, if, you, if you know me very well, I've been playing handball three days a week for 20 years. And the, and, and the doctor looks at me and he says, you have three choices. He said, we can do a hip replacement. And it, you already probably know I'm pigeon-toed. My feet all point inward. Uh, and over time, that just has a wear and tear on, on my hips. So you can get a new hip, or we can go in and we can deaden all the nerves in your hips. So they'll grow back, but you can, we can deaden all of them so you, know, you can be active and, and go ahead and still play. Or the third is just quit handball. I got back in my truck, and Clarissa told me to call her right after I got out of the doctor's, and I'm literally choking up because a season of my life seemed to be over. Well, I've been saying for the last number of weeks, man, my pants are getting tighter, tighter. And as much as I'd like to blame Satan and the pit of hell, it has nothing to do with it. And so I, I, made, I made this decision that I, I was going to go ahead and I've, I've done the Atkins diet. I can lose weight pretty quick. Once I get to, get to the place where I'm going to make up my mind, that's what I'm going to do. But I, but I also know that in that kind of diet, it's not a lifestyle for me, so I'll gain it back. So I said, I, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and just do a, a calorie count. Uh, and so I got this app where I'm doing the calorie count. Because here's the thing. I, I don't want my pants to fit tight, and I don't want to go and buy more pants. Why am I telling you this? Well, listen, how many ever people are in this room? I'm now accountable that much more. When you, when you begin to be transparent, when you're, people, they're not going to walk up to me and go, well, you're looking fatter today, Rich. And, and if you do, well, now I don't want to get too far away from where we're talking here, but, 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 here's, but here's what... Here's what Hebrews says about our spirituality, and you need to get this. Hebrews said, he says, let us consider to spur one another on toward love and good works. That means we've got to be in accountable relationships that will spur us on, that will nudge us, that will push us, that will cause us to go in the correct direction, not giving up meeting together. Now, look, get this. Sunday's not mentioned in this, but this is always preached at Sunday. And I'm telling you, in God's view, Sunday and meeting, and the only meeting time is a low bar. That's a low bar. And we're not called to a low bar Christianity. We're called to a high bar Christianity. So how do we, how do we then deal with, how do we process these topics, these messages? And so I'm going to actually refer to each one of them throughout the sermon because what Jesus give is giving an example, and I'm, I'm going to give modern uh, modern example of really what he's saying is if you've ever went and took some grass seed and you have one of those hand things that you hold and you pull the seed seed in here and you start doing the crank, you know what I'm talking about? And the seed starts going, just starts flying out everywhere. In fact, I did that a number of years ago, I think with my, my uh, fertilizer and my front yard has stripes on it now because it didn't get in all the right places. Well, God's word, and in the Bible belt, and in the buckle of the Bible belt here in Texas, there is more seed of God's word that is going out continually in, in your and I's lives than we even recognize. 
And so Jesus, again, gives this example. But here's the connect place, and the place I really, you, you got to discover this right off the bat. And it's simply this, is that every revelation, every revelation received is subject to a specific journey. So in our culture, it is, as I was reading through those different types of grounds, you were you're around me, I'm not that person, I'm not that person, I'm not that person. I want to submit to you today, we're all those people. Every single one of us are those people. Now, once again, when it comes to time with God, forgiveness, generosity, and accountability, there's a specific journey. And in that specific journey, there's this, you, you might say it's a progression, but it really isn't a progression. It's, it's, it's what, it re, what is received the moment that revelation comes. Let me give it a little bit different example. When I was a teenager, um, probably not unlike a lot of teenagers, um, I would sleep in on Saturday morning as long as I could. But maybe unlike many teenagers, the reason I slept in had nothing to do with needing more beauty sleep. I knew I was got as much as I was ever going to get. It was that I knew I had to go downstairs, and sitting at the kitchen table were my dad and mom. And it was, for me, it probably was something that I did at the football game the night before that was certainly not Christ-like because I was not a Christ follower. My parents, however, were. And so the talks would come. Later, I found out that they tried to play good cop, bad cop, and they were bad. Because they were both bad cops. I didn't see any good in these conversations. And here's the thing. Here's what would happen. They would say these words to me. Maybe you've heard these words. Uh, they would look at me and they would say, you know, we can tell a lot about you by the people you hang out with. It's more like the people you hang out with. And I just smiled and nodded. And then I went out the next week and hung out with the exact same people. Then I moved to Arizona, and those words at the kitchen table would come back to me. And I would think, hmm, am I like that? Am I like that? And you fast forward, I was at the kitchen table with my kids going, I can tell a lot about you by the people you hang around with. There was a journey that took place with that revelation of about friends. We serve a God who wants to make himself known. The God of the universe at some point stood up in eternity past and looked at all the splendor of heaven and said, I'm going to impoverish this beautiful place by leaving and making myself known. Even when you go into the Old Testament after Adam and Eve, you find God approaching people. He wants to make himself known. And ultimately, when you think about the hundredfold, it's about God continually making himself known on a greater, ever-expanding manner in each and every one of our lives. Because here's the beauty of the God we serve. The power of the transformation, the power of the fruit is not found in the soil, it's found in the seed. And so when the word comes in and it finds the right place, it produces something. It's developed. And this is why we keep coming back to it's something you discover. 
because we live in a do world. Well, if I do this, if I do that, if I do this, if I do that. But when you discover the power is not in you, you don't just need a better amount of willpower. The seed just needs to be in the right place because the power is in the seed. Now, in Jesus' parable, the ground is our heart. It's not our head. It's our heart. You, you've heard the statement, it needs to get from my head to my heart. Not true. It just needs to get in your heart. I never understood what it meant to be saved before I got saved. But when it got into my heart, wait a minute, I can't even explain it. Because the beauty of the God that we serve, you, for, this would never work at UTA, by the way. God bypasses your brain. We live in a culture where it's all about the brain. We live in a culture that, that, that the highest form that you can be as a person has to do with your knowledge. But your brain is just another piece of flesh that's going to go in the ground at some point. But when you get the seed in your heart, when it gets into the right ground, then things begin to change. So let's, let's kind of just walk through now the kind of areas of heart that we could be in in any given topic. Because there's the wayside, there's the, the hardness, there's the thorny, and then there's the fruitful. We'll start with the wayside. The wayside, though, that's simply the hard heart. Here's Jesus' words again. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they, when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Now, let me start off by telling you this. In every topic that I mentioned, whether the topic was time with God, the forgiveness, money, or accountability, I guarantee you that at, at least in one of the topics, if not all of them, the enemy has made sure to have walked over your heart and has made your hard heart in regard, hard in regards to relationship, in, in regards to what you deserve, in regards to what you're owed. And so what happens in, the, in the, these different areas as the Lord begins to reveal them to us, in some cases, the heart's, heart's still hard. It's, it's, it's not quite there yet. So there, get this, there is no entry point for the revelation to work. It just falls off the wayside. And so when you hear the message, spend time with God, maybe your excuse is, well, I don't hear God. Why would I bother? Because that revelation falls on a hard heart. Or you, someone says to you, well, you need to forgive your dad, your mom, you need to forgive your brother and sister. You need to forgive this person, that person. And you just look and say, well, I'm not there yet. The revelation yet has not found the good soil. Or you hear a message that simply says, and, and by the way, let me, let me preface this one since we're on money, and that's always such a tough topic for so many people, is that you can make it to heaven without tithing. Okay. And, and I, I don't know how many people have told me, well, Jesus never taught on tithing, but he did say to tithe. And if you don't know where to find that, get in your Bibles, it's there. It's when he talks to the Pharisees, he goes, you take the, the very mint and time and you tithe that and you forget the greater love and justice. You should do the former without the latter, and, and with the latter. The idea of a tithe or 10% is just a baseline. 
it's, you know, when I was first saved, it was always the, it, was, it always came around the topic of, well, do I, am I supposed to tithe my gross or my net? God's interested in generosity. But here's what, here's what a hard heart be when those messages comes. I can't afford that. It's gone. It's done. So it's dismissed. Or you hear someone like me Sunday after Sunday saying, you need to be part of some, some group that holds you accountable, that helps you grow. And you go, oh, the church is filled with nothing but hypocrites. And the church, thinking, well, all I got to do is overcome that objection, doesn't realize it's not a head issue. It's a heart issue. And whenever the ground is hard and revelation comes, it will bounce right off. Then there's the hardness, or, or another way of looking at it would be a shallow heart. A shallow heart. Jesus said it this way. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Now, it's important to understand what Jesus is addressing here is the type of person who is really moved by emotion. Their, 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 their impulses, their impressions, their, their uh, intuitions, their instincts, and largely all of those are dictated by their circumstances, tend to hear it with joy, and it gets in there a little bit, but it's not able to bear any fruit because as soon as a recognition comes that, wait a minute, this is going to cost me something. This isn't something that's just going to naturally happen. I'm going to have to carve out time in my day to make sure I'm spending with God. I'm going to actually have to figure out before God how to forgive somebody who died five years ago. I'm going to have to figure out in my budget how to start working a baseline of generosity. I've got to figure out in my, in my whole week schedule when I'm going to carve out time beyond Sunday where I can sit with people who could probe into my life and I probe into their life. And we go, well, well, wait a minute. That was a good sermon. And by Monday, it's forgotten. Because of the frustration. Because of the emotions that are associated with receiving it with joy and the negative consequences of saying yes to something. Because everything costs something. And so we have to make a choice. Are we willing? There's the thorny. This is just, this is simply the crowded hearts. Jesus said it this way. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulnesses of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. This, to me, is the Americanized Christian heart. We want the cake, and we want to eat it too. And if you're like me, you just want the frosting and eat it too. But he, but he uses the words cares, riches, and pleasures. When we have cares, then our concerns have to do with poverty and the anxiety that's associated with that. When it's riches, well then, 
there's a distraction that comes in because now, as someone uh, once asked Rockefeller, how much money is enough? His answer was a little more. It becomes a distraction. The pleasures of life. We live in a world where, and this is one of the things, by the way, that I love about DFW, it doesn't matter what kind of restaurant you want. It doesn't matter what kind of entertainment you want. I'm talking good, healthy, whole entertainment, although there's all sorts of bad stuff out there. It's all here. We can argue about AT&T Stadium entertainment, but that's a different story. Just had to throw that one out there. But here's the thing. Watch this now. So you, so you go, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend time with God every day. And you find by the end of the day, you've spent way more time on YouTube or Netflix than you have interacting with God. Or you know that you're supposed to forgive someone, but you buy into this idea that God is blessing you financially so you can just ignore that part of your life. Because it must not be important to God. He's giving me the pleasures of life. He's giving me the riches that I should have even as my soul prospers. I know that's a big First John or Third John scripture. But as now we move into the fall, we, we go, I'm going to have a more generous heart. And we begin to give. And then all this, two things happen really quickly, and they kind of go this one and the last one. Uh, I think the, the rocky grounds where the persecution comes, all of a sudden your car breaks down. Or we're surprised by Christmas again this year. And the area of generosity that is affected is not our entertainment. It's not where we go out to eat. It's not what we watch on TV. It's not where we go to the movies. It's not anything that else that we do. It's God. Because the cares of this world have choked out. And th the thing about this portion of Scripture that's critical for us to understand is that the Word's in there. But there's no power to the seed because there, are the, there is all these, these weeds that are just crowding it out. Or when it comes to being in accountable relationships, man, I work so hard, you know, Monday through Friday, and, and I just don't have any other, other time to be able to meet with any other people. And so we continue in the same form of stunted spirituality that never produces anything, knowing that we should, but we don't because of the cares of this world. Because, understand this, fruitless Christians, that's an oxymoron. Remember, I'm not talking product. I know everybody's minds merely goes to product here, but it's process. A fruitless Christian is an oxymoron. It doesn't make sense. It's opposite. But notice the, the, the three fruitless hearts with me just for a moment here, because it's the, the hard heart, this is where the devil works. So the devil has made our hearts in any particular topic, any particular revelation that the Lord is trying to, to bring, he, he does that through hurt and pain, and he does it through lies. And so he's always snatching it up. He's always taking the revelation that God has, and it never gets in the ground. Then there's the shallow heart. That has everything to do with our flesh. Okay? I don't like the idea of dieting. I'd rather exercise, burn 2,000 calories, and eat 2,000 calories at you know, Chick-fil-A. I would. My flesh, just like your flesh, has desires. It has wants. 
But what the flesh does is it can give us counterfeit religious feelings if we're not careful. The crowded heart, where you have the devil, we have our own flesh, but the crowded heart has everything to do with the world that we live in. Okay, I've slightly chuckled as I listen to Christians. Oh, Jesus is coming back soon. It's all because of inflation. Jesus is coming back soon. Uh, Jesus isn't concerned with our economy, folks. Oh, I could just go back and re-preach everything I did just on that statement. He's not concerned about our economy. He's concerned about souls. He's concerned about people getting to know him more. But, be, but when we, we live a life where, where the things and the power of Christ is crowded out because of the cares of the world, we will then do a religious filter based on that. He is coming soon, but not because of the inflation. So let's set the fruitful and we'll finish, wrap this up here. So the fruitful heart. The fruitful heart, Jesus says, but those that were sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. It's interesting that in, in biblical numerology that when Jesus is using this here, is he really isn't trying to do some hidden meaning. It's just the maximum possible based on the circumstance. It's the maximum possible based on the circumstance. And so when it comes to spending more time with God, it starts out a little, and it grows more and more and more and more and more. And here's what you find. You're looking for more opportunities to be in God's Word. You feel, you get to the place where you feel um, awkward, or you feel like you are lacking or miss something if a day goes by and you've not been in God's Word. It's not a matter of spending 20 or 30 minutes with God. You grow into this place where every moment you are breathing, you know that God is there. And so there's this level of interaction that is both obvious and not obvious. But we just know because we're, as Paul said, you end up praying continually. Here's the beauty of the forgiveness piece. It doesn't mean that you don't struggle with forgiveness. A hundredfold just very simply means that you forgive 70 times seven a day where the idea of forgiveness is a regular habit of life. Baseline of generosity is you're looking for more ways to give. That's why I love the, like Rex coined it, and I just, I attached it to it really quick, is, is that God gives givers gifts to give. And it's not grammatically done well, but it's memorable. God gives givers gifts to give. I, I, I've, in the last year, I've had at least one conversation where a person says to me, if I win the lottery, I'm going to give this much to the church. And I smiled, and I went, you don't give any now. You won't give any when you get a bunch. But when you develop a, a generous heart, when you develop that, and that's developed in your heart, you're looking for opportunities to be able to pass on the things that God has given you. And let me tell you something. While money might be the most difficult, it is covered in so many areas of life. So many different ways that, that aren't even financially uh, regarded. And then 
when it comes to actually being in an accountable relationship, here's the beautiful thing of that, is all of a sudden you're going, yeah, I'm in an accountable relationship, but I'm also holding others accountable. I'm looking for hearts that will receive the revelation of God that can be to, to be nurtured so it becomes fruitful as well. I'm looking for that. I desire that. So how do we get there? Well, here's the go piece. First thing you got to do is you have to identify. And this is a constant. We're constantly identifying. What is the revelation that God's been speaking to you about? That's why we ask the question around here all the time. What's God talking to you about? God's always wanting to make himself known. So there's a revelation that he's constantly throwing out. What's he talking to you about? He wants you to, he wants you to experience it for you if it's, the, if it's the time with him. He wants to experience the beauty of those special times with him. He wants you to experience that. That's his love and desire for you. He wants you to experience the power of living a life that not only is forgiven, but can constantly forgive. He wants you to, he wants you to enjoy how it really is more blessed to give than to receive. And he does want every believer to reproduce the life of Christ that is in them and others. So we're constantly going, okay, I want to, I'm just using, using these four as an example. I'm identifying that. Kind of, okay, is this opportunity? Is this what you're trying to do? Is this what you're trying to accomplish, Lord? But the other part of the identifying is, is and be honest before God on this, what kind of ground is it falling on? In any particular topic, if the ground is, is hard, here's the beauty of, of the word of God. God's, God's word, by the way, is unyielding. His word is unyielding, but his mercies are never-ending. So with the, if the ground's hard, hard ground can be tilled. Chris and I went to Arizona to go spend some time with a grandkid, and we went out. Our son owns four acres out in the middle of the desert, literally swirl cactuses. I went out trying to find tarantulas because we're in the desert, and I like tarantulas, and yada, yada. And, uh, but that ground, oh, Lord have mercy. It's hard uh, when, when you drive out, he's two miles off paved road, and when, the, when it rains, they get the monsoons. It, these creek beds, and we drove our car and not the truck, which was probably a mistake. I, you know, I'm having to maneuver around these rocks. Well, listen, even that ground can be tilled. It can be worked. The rocks, they can be removed, and they can be crushed. The thorns, they can be uprooted. So, so as we begin to identify the kind of ground that it's following on, then we want to make sure that we are including the Holy Spirit in the process because now he's interacting with us and helping us to be able to make sure that the ground where the seed has fallen is in a place that is good and right. So Paul, he says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep step with the Spirit. And as we keep step with the Spirit, then all of a sudden we find more and more God is revealing and he's revealing more and more and more. And then the third thing is you need to invite partners into the process. Because it's the people in your life that if they love you, uh, they'll, they'll say the things that no one else will. Proverbs, Proverbs says it this way. A wise man can, will be corrected and thank you for it. And so, so I don't know about you. I, I like to be found to be wise. So if I need to be corrected... It's not for my wife's job to correct me. <laughs> Maybe a little. But there are areas where Clarissa can correct me and I would listen. But there are some things that men need to correct me about. And so I invite men into the process of my spiritual growth and my spirituality, and they're able to help me identify 
They're, they're the ones that they don't look at me and, and go, you knucklehead, you screwed up again. No, they look at me and go, you can do it. Jesus will help you. Get back up. Seven times a righteous man falls, the Bible says, and he rises again. Who in your life's telling you that and encouraging you to keep going? They're the person, when you, when you find out that there's a price to pay in these decisions, that they'll say, that's okay, keep looking to Jesus. Keep looking to him. Because there, you're going to find it's worth every bit of it. And so, I really believe the Lord wants us to take this process, and watch this, and in Bethel, create an incredible product that ignites change in hundreds who will ignite change in thousands. And so, Lord, will you help us in this process? Or will you challenge us, uh, not, on, not on the topics so much that I spoke about, but the process that you want to take each of us through to fruitfulness? Lord, for the topics that, that you've been trying to talk to people about that are finding the hard ground, I pray, Lord, that they will, they will, um, they will identify that and they will, they will choose to allow people in their lives to help that get cultivated for the, for the lives that, that really have been uh, in that hard ground, Lord, that, that when the enemy makes the accusation that there's another rock, that they would have people in their lives would say, now the Lord's just exposed that to remove it so the ground's better prepared. Lord, for the, 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 the challenges and the, the cares of this world and, the, and the, the lure of riches and the pleasures of life, those types of things, Lord, I pray that we would, again, not allow that to distract the revelation and choke out the revelation that you have for this day in this season. So that ultimately, Lord, we, your people, we could reflect a people that are, are igniting change through the fruit of the Spirit that is forever growing in our life, through the gifts of the Spirit that are making the power of Jesus known on a daily basis. So that, Lord, when we have finished the chapter of our given time in history, that we will be able to look at you and hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your salvation. So thank you for that in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.